If you will, tonight, turn with me back to the book of Philippians, and we're still in chapter 1. Our text tonight will be verse 18. And it reads this way. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Let us pray. Oh Lord, how great Thou art. I thank You, Lord, that You would call us away from all the work and things that have cumbered our week. And Lord, I thank You that You have attended this time with us. We pray, Lord, that You would anoint this message, that You would be glorified, that Your name would be lifted up. Oh Lord, may You indeed work in our hearts that You give us joy in the preached Word. Joy, Lord, that You are preached. Joy that that You are all in all. Oh Lord, may You take us away from the things that so easily beset us. May You bring us to Thy feet. May You allow crumbs to fall from Thy table. May You feed our souls, Lord, for Thy glory. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul, in this part of the letter, he says, What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And then he says, And I therein do rejoice. Yea, and I will rejoice. Picture Paul now in a jail cell who's been persecuted. Paul who's been abused, treated as a common criminal. And he says, under the influence and the power of the Holy Ghost, that he has great joy and he rejoices when Christ is preached. I think about that as we came to this place tonight, what our mindsets were. Some of us have been in the workplace all day. Some of us have been running around doing whatever it is that God's providence brought into our days, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to come away. We're dependent. We're dependent upon the Lord to take us away from the things that life calls us to do and to give us joy and happiness in hearing Christ preached. And that's what He did for Paul. In this moment, as Paul is writing this letter, And as the church here at Philippi is on his heart, and as he's encouraging them, in the middle of this trial he's in, he says what gives him joy is hearing Christ is preached. I'd like you first to turn back over to verse 8, and we're going to read from 8 down to 21 tonight. And I want you to follow along with me and then we'll make some comments about what's going on here. For God is my record, verse 8, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. He longs after them. He loves them. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, 
that day we just sang about. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. But, but I would, I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Paul says, what does it matter? That's what that translated means. What then? Notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice. Yea, and will rejoice. In the middle of persecution, in the middle of being treated like a criminal, Paul is in a good place. I'm going to tell you something. About me, I can't get to this place. I have what you call a zeal for the gospel. And if I don't believe that Christ is being preached the right way, sometimes it upsets me. And we have this remarkable statement by Paul. As long as Christ is being preached, he rejoices. That's where his joy was. That's where his thoughts are. Now look with me in verse 12. He says, I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me, that's God's providence, all that God has brought into his life, the fact that he was shipwrecked, the fact that he was beaten three times, the fact that an asp got on his hand and bit him, the fact that he's been jailed that he's been in perils, that he's been persecuted from religious people also. All of that, he says, I want you to understand that all of that have happened, have fallen out, have, have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. That God's plan in Paul's suffering was for the gospel to go out. And you'll see that in all of Paul's life where the Lord took him, there was somebody there Paul met to preach the gospel to. We know what Romans 8.28 says. It says, and we know. We stop right there. Do we know that? Do we know that all things work together for good to them that love God? Do we know that? That's what Paul's saying right here. Everything, dear ones, as he's writing to this church, he says, everything. Even those things that I enumerated to you, God brought them in to, to preserve the gospel, to spread the gospel, to take the gospel to His chosen people wherever they were. There was a need. 
And that need is to hear Christ preached. That's what the child of God needs. We were just talking about that before some of you got in here. Sometimes we can't remember just what was preached on Sunday or just what was preached last week because we're so cumbered and polluted by everything out in the world. We're dependent. Dependent upon the Lord to to open our hearts, to quicken to us, to bring to remembrance everything that we heard of the Gospel of Christ. Because that's life. That is true life to the child of God, to the sheep. He wants to hear of His shepherd. He sends it out. And He sends it out through His ministers to preach Christ. Don't ever forget that. Paul said, we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, it's a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it's foolishness. To the world, it's foolishness. To, to, to everyone outside of Christ, it doesn't have a message in it. The desire of the religious world is to hear other things. The things that are sweet to the ears. The smooth things that Jeremiah writes about. That the false prophets were preaching. Smooth things. But the child of God and the sheep, they have to hear the voice of the shepherd. They need to hear about the shepherd. They need to hear that He came and laid down His life. They need to hear that He has laid down His life, that He took it up again. They need to know that He's risen from the dead. They need to know that He's conquered all of their enemies. They need to know the freedom that they have in Him. They need to know that they're justified in Him. They're not guilty in Christ Jesus. They need to know that their sanctification, that they've made, they're made holy in Christ Jesus. And so, Paul, in this little section that we read tonight, is speaking about the furtherance or the preaching of the Gospel and how precious that is to him. And so what, what is it that the ministers do? Do they sit back and plan to say who's going to receive the gospel, who's not going to receive the gospel, who can receive it, who's allowed to hear, who's not allowed to hear? Hold your finger here with us and we'll go to the first place we're going to go tonight is Matthew 13. Turn with me to Matthew 13. It's the Lord's purpose to further the gospel. To send His messengers out to preach the gospel. Wherever it is, He sends them. And then you leave that gospel. You leave it in the hands of Christ. You leave it in the One who can effectually make a work in a man's soul. How can they hear without a preacher? The importance of hearing the preached Word is that's how the Lord's ordained for sinners to be saved. Look at Matthew 13. This is a parable. Look at verse uh, 24. He says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man, which is himself, which sowed good seed in his field. That's the gospel being sent out. But while men slept, while we live and tarry, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. That's what the wicked one does. We know in that other parable we're told that that wicked one will come in and he'll snatch that word right out of your mind, right out of your heart if he 
can. Because he doesn't want you to hear the gospel. He doesn't want to hear he doesn't want you to hear about Christ. He certainly doesn't want to hear you to hear about Christ crucified. So here it is. He comes and he and he sows tares among the wheat. And when but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. See, that's the problem. You've got an open field, and the tear grows right next to the weed, the, the wheat. And they're identical. You can't tell them apart. The only difference with the wheat from the tear is the wheat has fruit in it. And what, what does that tell us? The people of God have the fruit of Christ in them. The fruit of His Spirit. The people of the world don't. But they sit there and they coexist with the church. They come in among the church. What is the gospel to do? The gospel separates, not the minister. It's the message, not the messenger. And so you see the servants of the householder came and they said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence then has it tares? He said unto them, An enemy's done this. The servant said unto him, Will thou then we go and gather them up? Would you like us to go and try to separate them? And praise God that that's not what the Lord called us to do. We couldn't make that. that. Listen, I would separate Saul and never call Saul a child of God. The same with many people in the Word of God. If it was left to us and our understanding of what we see in people. Because the Lord looks on the heart. And we can't. So the messengers say, hey, are we to do this, Lord? And he said unto them, but he said, no, nay. Lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. You could be harming the wheat, the, the, the people of God by you and what you're doing with separating the wheat from the tares. So no, it's not for you to do. The furtherance of the gospel is where the Lord sends the gospel. Wherever He's pleased to send it. He has sent it tonight to this little room. A room that He's called a few people away from the world. And He says, tonight, I'm going to send the gospel there. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, um, He said, no, don't do it. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And that's what the Lord will do on that day. He will gather His wheat. He will gather His sheep unto Himself. And the others will go to perdition. So now we go back to our text. We see the purpose. He says, "My bond, um, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, that I want you to understand that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that the gospel would go out. So he says, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace. That was the palace that he was in Rome. That was Nero's palace. And he says, even here, even here, the Lord is glorified by sending the gospel out to wherever the Because Paul had people who could come and go to him. He wrote this letter while he was in prison. So we have, he says, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. 
He said in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this treasure. You know what that treasure is? The treasure is the Lord Jesus Christ. That treasure is the gospel of Christ. He said we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We, the church, we have it in ourselves. The Lord indwells His church. And why is that? Why is it in an earthen vessel? Why is it that the Lord sends the gospel out and He only sends it to certain elect earthen vessels? Why is that? And He tells us in the rest of the verse, He says that the excellency of the power the power of election, the power to bring forth death, I mean, bring forth life from death, the power to, to form the image of Christ in His people. The excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's why the Lord's ordained the gospel to go out. That's why He sends it to go out. I know when I, when I was first um, beginning to preach, some of the some of the verses that bothered me in the Bible was when the Holy Spirit forbid Paul to go and preach the gospel to certain people. And I couldn't understand that. Because when I first started preaching, or I first, my understanding was, shouldn't the gospel go out to everyone? Isn't that the purpose? Is we, we should be out there telling everybody about the gospel? But no. The Lord knows where His people are. And He sends the gospel to them. He sends His ministers to them. He sends the... the and what do they do? They preach Christ. Because that's what's in that person. That's, that's what that person will want to hear. Especially in the day of the new birth. That's what He desires to hear. Christ did this for me. Christ is my life now. Christ has made a difference. And so in verse 14, he says, And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul sees the good of the Lord putting him in prison. And he says, because now I'm in prison, there's other gospel ministers out there. There's others that are preaching Christ. And they're more emboldened to preach because here I am and the Lord is taking care of me. That the Lord has not stopped the gospel going out with Paul. They're encouraged by his bonds. I'm encouraged by his bonds. Because you know what it tells me? Nothing and no one can stop the gospel. Not even my frail unbelief that... Worries about things and preaching and worries and, and am I going to have a text? Am I not going to have a text? The Lord is faithful. He always provides the gospel. His word will never return to him void. It hits the mark wherever he sends it. It's the savor of life to some. It's the savor of death to others. But he never misses his mark. His, his imprisonment did not go unnoticed. 
And, and that's what you're going to get the rest of this as he's speaking about gospel ministers. Let that sink in a minute because we've already read this together. So I, I know it's kind of difficult. But Paul was indifferent to the consequences of his life now that he's in prison. He's indifferent to that. That's what our text tells us tonight. He has the joy of Christ being preached. That's his, that's his goal and life's ambition is to preach Christ wherever he is. It's not to go visit people and speak about carnal things or, or to go and talk about tent making because he was a tent maker. It was to preach Christ. And he was emboldened here in this prison to preach Christ with no fear of man. And then we get to verse 15. And he said, you know, there's some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. These are people preaching Christ. And we have that. We have that in amongst ourselves, people who preach Christ. We have a fallen nature. And sometimes when we hear one of our brothers preaching and it's an eloquent, beautiful message that the Lord gives them, we start to think envious thoughts. I wish I was eloquent like that. I wish the Lord gave me that. And so Paul, who's sitting in prison, says, you know, there are those who preach Christ that are envious and are striving of me. Striving against me. And then he says, there's also some that preach of goodwill. Meaning the goodness. And Paul's talking about reflecting upon his ministry and him preaching the gospel. There's some who have seen the good in it. And, and they desire to preach the goodness of the gospel. Now keep in mind, as I said, sometimes I think we deify the people who preach the gospel. And the, and the fact of the matter is we're all sinners. Just like you, just like anyone else who will hear this message. We're sinners. We struggle with the very same things you do. We struggle with the flesh. We struggle with envy. We struggle with strife. But then he says in 16, the one preaches Christ of contention. He said, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Which means, he's standing up there or he's talking to his people and he says, Paul's in jail. My ministry's favored because I'm not. But Paul must have done something wrong. He must have angered God because Paul's in jail. That's what that means. One preaches Christ of contention. But what's, what's the underlying principle here? He's still preaching Christ. So that's what I mean. We have a flesh. What's important is that the Holy Spirit preaches the Word to you. I know I have sat in messages many times where I've heard the preacher be very humorous, start to talk about other things that are going on in the world, and none of that ministers to me. None of it means a thing. But when they preach Christ, 
when the Lord brings them back to the subject, when He brings them back to the Prince of Peace, the Giver of Life, the Son of God, that's what ministers to my soul. And that's what I'm asking you tonight as Paul brings forth our text this night and the Holy Spirit brings it forth. I have so much joy when Christ is preached. I can't answer that for you. But you can. The Holy Spirit can reveal to you how much joy you have when Christ is preached. And is that the number one? Or do you come to hear those things? Or do you come to to think and say, well, the preacher, he, he just messed up. You know, I, 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 I heard him mess up. I, I, I don't like that. Or maybe you do. Maybe you chuckle. There are things that as the vessel is an earthen vessel, the earthen vessel is going to get it wrong. I've heard people say that they're always, always under the power of the Holy Spirit when they're preaching. And you know it isn't true. And you know it isn't true because they're not preaching Christ. Because the Holy Spirit takes of Christ and reveals of Him. That's what Paul said. We preach Christ. And if Christ isn't being preached, the Holy Spirit is not authoring that message. But this one, Paul said, he preaches Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bond. Remember what I said? Paul's in a good place. You know where Paul is? He's at rest. He's not contentious about anybody and what they're saying out there. Paul's question to them is, did you preach Christ? You could say whatever you want about me. You could say that's a funny looking person. You could say he's got a lisp in his voice. You could say he's got a terrible voice. That's okay. Did he preach Christ? That's what Paul said. That's what my joy is in. That, that, one, that one blows. That is an amazing amount of grace. Because your eyes are on the, the message, not the messenger. Your eyes are taken heavenward to Christ and it's like the baby bird looking up to the mama bird with his mouth open like, feed me, feed me, feed me. That's all he cares about. That's where Paul is. I just want Christ preached. I just want to hear Christ preached. That's what's good for my soul. That's what I need to hear. But the Lord has to convince you of that. He said, the one preaches Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other preaches Him of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Meaning, they're sympathetic toward Paul. They love Paul. They're saying, oh my, let's keep our brother in prayer. And they're preaching Christ right along with him. And they're rejoicing over what the Lord has given Paul. And they're rejoicing over what the Lord has given them. And the love and the unity of the brother. Paul said there's some to do that. And then our text comes. He says, what does it matter? What does all of that matter? What does it matter in the messenger? Does it matter what color he is? No. Does it matter what kind of voice he has or what he looks like? No. 
notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, whichever way, as long as Christ is preached, he says, that's all that matters. And for him to say that, for him to say that, he's in a good place. He's in a very good place. Can you imagine having joy that way in your soul every time you go to an assembly to meet in the name of the Lord with a desire just to hear Christ preached? Not the talking and seeing people. That's nice. But to hear Christ preached. And your soul is saying, I want it so bad. My soul needs it so bad. And then your soul is just refreshed when you hear Him lifted up. The totality of Christ and what He is to His people. That He is our salvation. He is our light. He is our shepherd. Turn on me over to Acts 20. Sorry, pause there for a minute. I couldn't read my writing. Acts 20. I want to read you something that Paul said. Look at Acts 20, beginning in verse 27. Paul said, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. You know what the counsel of God is? It's Christ. Christ is the wisdom of God. Christ is the wisdom. Christ is God. And Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which He has purchased with His blood. With His own blood. Christ has purchased the church of with His own blood. He died for the church. He bought the church with His blood. With the price of His life. The flowing of His blood. He covered the multitude of our sins. Paul said, you make sure to take heed to yourselves and to all the flock of which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which He has purchased with His own blood. For I know this. That after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Now Paul knew that he was going to pass off the scene. And when he did, he knew that the wolves would come in. The ones who preach a false gospel would come in. But I'll take this a step further. When we get done here tonight, we're done preaching the gospel. You're going to go out there with wolves. Everywhere you go, there are going to be wolves. Wolves in sheep's clothing you. Vying for your soul. Paul said, I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. The Lord laid on my palm to keep preaching His name. 
Keep lifting up Christ. And he did it even through tears, the times of sorrow, when he saw many depart, when he saw when others would rise up. Paul was kept faithful by the faithful one. And how do I know that he was a faithful minister? Look at the next verse. And now, brethren, I commend you to God. He didn't commend them to his preaching. He didn't commend them to the church. He didn't commend them to another minister. He commended them. He said, I leave you in the hands of my God. In the shepherd. Because that's where our peace is. That's where our comfort is. That's where our preservation is. That's where our safety is. And Paul said, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. It's His grace that keeps you. It's His grace that feeds you. It's His grace that provides. It's His grace that opens your ears. It's His grace. It's the grace that's in Christ Jesus. We're debtors to grace. That takes all merit out of it. The church has no merit. We have nothing in our hands to bring. Simply to His cross we cling. We we cling to the finished work of Christ. We point to Him and say, He did it for me. That's That's the Gospel. I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. All the children of God, all the ones that are made holy, have the same inheritance. What is that inheritance? Christ. It's Christ. And praise God it is. We were just there in Acts 20, in Acts 20, 24. Paul said this about the gospel. He said, but none of these things move me. They wanted him to go to Jerusalem. He said, none of these things move me, nor count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. That's his joy. You saw that word again in their joy. I have to finish my course with joy. What's your joy, Paul? The ministry? Preaching Christ. Preaching Christ. And I've received that of the Lord. I, I long so much for all of us in here that as we're in the workplace tomorrow, in the marketplace, wherever, in our homes, wherever we're at, that we have a joy in the Lord. That the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the joy of our Lord is the sustenance. That it's our, our, it is our joy. That what we speak about or what we think about is the Lord. The salvation of the Lord. Being in Christ. Having His righteousness imputed to us. What a trade. Our filthy rags for His righteousness. He did that by His effectual work on the cross. In Romans 1.16, He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. See, when the Lord takes over your soul, you're not ashamed of the gospel. When Christ is your joy and your life, you're not ashamed of the gospel. You're not ashamed of the people mocking you. You're not afraid of the people mocking you. You don't care what the world has to say to you. Because you have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you. We go on a little bit tonight in our text. Or after our text, I should say. We read just a little bit more where we will, Lord willing, pick up next week. He says, what does it matter then? What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my deliverance. That's what that word is, salvation. It's translated deliverance. He's in prison, right? So he says, this is my deliverance. Hearing Christ preached is my deliverance. Preaching Christ is my deliverance. Christ is my deliverer. Through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. As the Spirit of Christ revives me and brings the gospel to my remembrance and applies the gospel to my life and, and fills my soul with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, I have great joy and contentment. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. Paul, what? you're in jail. You're, you're almost ready to go and, and be martyred. What's on your mind? What would you like for the rest of your life? That Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. I want to preach Christ and I want Christ preached to me in my life. And in my death, I want to glorify Christ. I want to die like Christ did. As a, as a lamb that goes to the slaughter. Glorifying my Lord because 21 tells us, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There's so much gain from dying in Christ. And there's so much loss dying outside of Christ. May the Lord tonight bring that joy to your soul. Bring that joy to our hearts, to our minds, to our understanding. The joy of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. To him be all glory.